Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Throughout 2020, Drive-by Cinema had been reviewing science fiction and horror movies. But then, one man thought he could do differently. Alistair thought that by introducing art movies, he could change the podcast nature so that it would be more cerebral. But that's not what happened. (laughs) Instead, when Paul and Rick reviewed an art house movie, they were so perplexed they vowed never to do an art house movie ever again. It turned out that Paul and Rick were not smart enough to review that kind of movie. <laughs> that was my Adam Curtis introduction, yeah. Paul. Well, he's been on, hasn't he, recently? It's a new series. He's just launched a new series. On what? On BBC What? On iPlayer. Well, you see, I couldn't watch it until I bought my TV licence last week. Oh, you could. So. All you have to do is click yes. Oh, no. When they say, do you... Do those, those TV licence detective ads are real. <laughs> By detecting your computer watching iPlayer. They could, they could, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't rule anyway, it out. Before we welcome people, no. what what did Alistair make us watch? It's, it's such a bad memory. I've, I've, bl- I've blanked it. I've... Last week's movie, Nothing Really Happens. Oh, Christ. Yeah, Alistair, don't do that to Which us. Which was neither horror again. nor sci-fi. Nor a movie, really, nor was a movie. it? Nor a movie. More entertainment. Whew. Okay, get back into your welcome, Richard. I was welcoming everybody to this edition of Drive-By Cinema, which is probably welcome. 28 or something, I think, isn't it? Or something like that. Yeah. It's a very high number anyway. And this is going to be all about Songbird. Songbird from 2020. Very recent. COVID-related. But not COVID-19. COVID-23. 23. Yeah, we'll, come, we'll get into we that get later. Into that, yes. Have you got any corrections? Anything to bring up? Oh, I have got a correction from way, 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 way back. Oh, yes. So, a uh, pregnant pause. I've got a correction. We were talking about, uh, I think it's not the Solomon Islands, somewhere near that, where there's uh, a Stone Age tribe that still exists on their own. Somewhere in the Pacific, is it? No, it's the Indian Ocean. And, uh, of course, the Christian-American Chinese... Sorry, the Chinese-American uh, Christian missionary got killed when he went on went on on shore, having been told by the Indian Marine Guard not to do so. One correction is, uh, we refer to them as they. I mean, I think we used their tribal name to begin with, but when we slipped into they, which I think is a mistake when we're talking about Stone Age people, it, it was a little otherizing on our parts. But that's just a general uh, tone correction. However, I think we did say that they were savage, and somehow we were quite... We ascribed their behaviour... As, as as being somehow endemic to their ge- genetics, I, I I think we were talking very loosely about it, but uh, I don't think that's true. Uh, they've had really bad experiences with white people generally arriving over the last two hundred years, and probably they've built it into a folk a folk story about uh, visitors and invaders, and so they were probably terrified when this man turned up on the beach and probably murdered him for that reason. So I, I'm not sure it's I'm not sure we gave them. A fair, a fair trial or a fair reading in that podcast. That's the only thing I want to say. That's very sensitive. Yeah, Jolian. Meanwhile, was quite annoyed by our attack on Seinfeld. Hello, Jolian. Yes, uh, frequent listener, Jolian. He's a Seinfeld fan, so unsurprisingly, he feels a need, I think, to stick up for Seinfeld as a funny program. What did you? Well, you said it wasn't it's funny. Not funny though, is it? You said it, it wasn't. Uh, it isn't funny. <laughs> I said it was American funny. Are you going to call me anti-Semitic? You are, aren't you? I'm not going there. I have invited Jolien to come on the show, 
and hopefully he will do that. Defend himself. He can he can defend Seinfeld and talk more about it and why it is funny. He can defend it till the cows come home. It's still crap. Okay. I think Jerry himself admits that it's rubbish. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Okay. If it's so good, why do you never see it repeated? Ah, I can think I can explain that. It's crap. No, unlike Friends, Friends, for instance, was filmed on film, so they can now do yes. HD broadcasts of it. But most sitcoms and stuff were filmed on TV cameras. On 420. And are now standard, wow. standard definition. You can't really watch them anymore as a consequence. They're just not high enough quality. Wow. Well, you can't, no, you couldn't watch it on a 62-inch screen, could you? No, exactly. It would be like an impressionist painting moving moving at 25 frames per second. It would be like YouTube 144, wouldn't it? That reminds me, Paul, you still haven't put us on a YouTube channel. Oh, website. I don't know why that would be an advantage to people listening, but well, I think the idea is that they can watch as we stream live, kind of thing. Oh, live stream—that's different. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. And then, of course, they can watch afterwards. No, why wouldn't you? No, have you got any corrections, Richard, or are you just perfect? No. Uh, what I was going to say though is, uh, it's middle of uh, February 2021, and Donald yeah. Trump has just been acquitted from his second impeachment <laughs> trial. <laughs> Yeah. Just good going, isn't it? Which does not augur well for the future of democracy, does it? I mean, he's going to come back, isn't he, now? Oh, well, that's what they said about Hitler. But it... Hitler did come back. That's the point I'm saying. You know. <laughs> did he? I'm saying, oh, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he, he stormed the, the, the Reichstag in 1929, I think, and was acquitted or, or got slapped wrist. And then he was back in power in 1933, fully. I'm terrifyingly back in power. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He stole so, the coup. The, Sorry, he, he, he tried to... He tried, I mean, you have to get somebody who knows about history. But roughly speaking, somewhere in the late 20s, you know, he, he attempted a coup and failed and got a slap wrist. And then he came back. Well, that's a reassuring comparison. So we have it all in store then. Great. Anyway, sorry, we can, I have to edit this carefully, Richard, but the Sentinel Islands, you know, the people, the Stonish people are from the Sentinel Islands. It is true they've forgotten how to make fire, so they worship fire and keep their fire alive all the time. It seems that they've lost some of their technology or their technical know-how. Yeah, I think we talked about them interbreeding, which I'm not sure is fair in terms of describing their behaviour. Although, of course, you know, there's only, there's only there must be at most a few hundred on the island, so... There must be some level of cousin interbreeding going on, which over the hundreds of years they've been isolated might, might explain some of their behaviour. But at the same time, it's interesting because they're obviously related to the other people in the Sentinel Islands, on the other, on the other islands. At some point, their language obviously was the same as these other languages. But the Indian anthropologists and coast guards brought other local islanders along when they're throwing watermelons into the water for them to take, to try and say, hey, watermelon, please take one. And their language has already become completely different, even though it was obviously the same language, because they're the same people. They all arrived, we know from archaeology anthropology, they all arrived in the Central Islands at that same time. Uh, but because they've been isolated, this language isolate has changed unrecognisably from the other languages who have had trade and boats between their islands so what's interesting is they don't know how to make boats which i think is very strange I, i'm sure stonish people can make boats coracles although that's more wood age isn't it than stone age a stone age boats would tend to sink wouldn't they they would but you think they, they would you know be in contact with the other 
Sentinel Islanders, but they're not. So the interesting point here is how long can a language survive, or how much can a la- how long can a language family survive before it changes completely? And we think we have the answer. Languages that are in contact, you know, a, a large population with mutually shared language probably survives for about five to 6,000 years before it becomes something completely different. I think Hebrew and maybe Greek are outliers to this claim, but otherwise, pretty much, yeah, a language only lives for about five or 6,000 years, and then it becomes something completely different. It was interesting insight. Uh, and, and, and this, or these particular central islands, I'm not sure which island they're on in the central islands, is an indication that language does change very quickly unless you have stabilising equilibrium forces of culture uh, and mutual... I don't know what the word is. Thank you. So their <laughs> homicidal tendencies were all down to a language misunderstanding. I mean, they were probably shouting, Honeydew, not watermelon. <laughs> well, no. I mean, about 20 years ago, they did... They were really happy to get the watermelons one time off the Indian anthropologists or Coast Guard, I'm not sure, the Indian, whoever they are, who, who sort of look after that area and decided to allow them to, to isolate forevermore. So it's, they're not always hostile to receiving watermelons. Well, who hasn't got upset about substitution in your grocery delivery from time to time? I, well, I can't get Ocado, so I don't know. Uh, and Amazon Fresh is nowhere near me. I don't think it's not even in Manchester, is it? Amazon Fresh? You know, this movie that we're about to talk about is also all about oh, delivery, eventually. isn't it? Yeah. So we should usher on the musical sting and get on with it. Songbird, Paul. I think you wanted me to summarise this movie because you had no clue. <laughs> this is a COVID movie. Since 2020, any movie kind of has to be COVID, doesn't it? And I was sort of wondering whether... I wonder if they had this written beforehand and it was just going to be some, like, you know, virus X or some other disease. And then COVID came along and they just slipped COVID in there as a plot point. Because it's not really... It doesn't... The disease in this movie doesn't really behave... It doesn't hinge on COVID. It doesn't behave the way that COVID does, does it? Not at all, no. We'll come to that in a bit, though, I think. Because there are big differences. But it was written... It was written, I guess... Oh, sorry, it was released, what, May, June? Yeah, it was early. It was early on last year, wasn't it? So So it it was written March, or it was adapted March, shot in April. So in March, what did we know about COVID? Not that much, really. Do you see what I'm saying? You're saying that they were extrapolating... Yeah. In an understandable way. And they've got a lot of things wrong, but we'll get on to that, I guess. It's set in LA, but a deserted LA. It's an LA on strict lockdown. So much so. In 2023. So much so that the cars, the streets are empty of cars, really no traffic, and you've got bicycle couriers going around delivering packages to people. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously cars spread COVID. Well, this is it, isn't it? The thing is, even in lockdown, as you know, you still need vehicular traffic. I mean, they still have to be delivering food to the supermarkets. But they've put out these roadblocks, and we see our cyclist, the the hero of the film, as it were, is a cycle courier. And he's cycling around LA delivering little parcels. Obviously, he can't do a full Tesco's or Walmart delivery, can he? On his bicycle. But they've got these concrete roadblocks everywhere and yet they still have 
cars driving, they've got the Department of Sanitation has got those Humvees driving around. True. Lots of helicopters too. Oh, they've got drones. They've got that guy with the drone cam, don't they? Who follows the bicycle curries. So that's Nico, our hero. The hero Nico, yes. Got a girlfriend, Sarah. And we see the life of some of the residents. Now, they're all living in lockdown, and I don't think you're allowed out unless you have a yellow immunity bracelet. Some people are immune to COVID, like Nico is, and that's why he's a bicycle courier. If you're not, you're not allowed out. (laughs) And he's delivering stuff to some of the richer parts in Beverly Hills, I think. He goes to one of those big Beverly Hill-type places with a gate where you've got to buzz in at the gate. So essentially a house like Heart to Heart. It was Moida. Yeah. Uh, it was Moida. <laughs> I miss Heart to Heart. Do you? Oh, I miss those days. Yeah. The whole film starts with very much like a 28 Days Later vibe. You've seen 28 Days Later. Or is that one that should be on our horror list? Probably. I've, I've, I've watched it and forgotten, I think. It's a Danny Boyle movie where it starts off with a guy in hospital uh, and he wakes up and sort of everything's deserted and he goes out through London and the place is empty. Oh, don't know if I've seen that or not. Oh, well, well, maybe we should do that. The point is, though... Are there zombies? It's a zombie movie. And the point is that... I've probably seen it, yeah. Those images were quite stunning because you had no one had seen London empty that way for a long time. Well, we've seen London empty now. This is it. This is it. And But for LA, what empty means is not empty of pedestrians because it... There must be large areas at LA which are always empty of pedestrians. It means empty of cars on the street. That's what they've done. I don't know how they did it, actually. I wonder how they filmed it. Or, or maybe they digitally removed it. Or maybe they filmed it in somewhere else that isn't LA. Well, what's incredible is in four, in four years, like everything's like everything's like a Sarajevo Olympic site all overgrown and decaying, which I find a little hard to believe, to be honest with you. And they really don't seem to be using the roads. I mean, he's playing basketball. On the road where they set up like a hoop. There's an annoying uh, seminal reference there, like, oh, shoot one for shoot one for Kobe, will you? Because I think Kobe had just died, hadn't he? So that's quite annoying. But, I mean, if you block all the roads with concrete things, how do you get ambulances through? Or maybe they don't use ambulances anymore. But you don't. You don't need to. So I think we're, saying, to, we're discovering this, this movie was made very, very quickly. Uh, I think mostly it's very hard to see that, it, there, you know, there aren't too many creases and rips in the joins. It's I think it hangs together relatively well as a basic movie, having, you know, them having made it so, so quickly. But yeah, that's one of the things that doesn't quite fit. Now, Nico delivers a package to this rich family in Beverly Hills, the wife of whom is Demi Moore. Hey! Yes. They've got an ill daughter who's got some kind of immunocompromised situation. So they're terrified of being placed in any circumstance that might put her at risk. And it turns out that they're doing some pretty nefarious things to try to keep us safe. Meanwhile, Nico's got a girlfriend and she's stuck in lockdown with, I think, her grandmother. Lita, is it? Her grandmother? It is Lita, yes. Yes. But she's not immune, so she can't actually meet Nico. They've never actually met in person, as far as, as far as we can tell at the end of the movie. That's what they seem to reveal. Now, there's one more guy. N- Nico, the courier's boss, is called Lester. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he seems to work in some kind of warehouse and he dispatches the couriers on jobs through their mobile phones and stuff, doesn't he? Uh, and you've forgotten the other character. The other character is a singer on YouTube. You don't remember? Oh, she quite, and May. She really annoyed me. May, she's 
in a motel room. I think she got stuck there at the start of the lockdown. I understand now. Okay. She's singing songs on YouTube. Now, that's quite realistic because people singing on Twitch and on YouTube, that's been quite a popular pastime, hasn't it, during lockdown? Have you seen any singers that you you digged? Uh, yes. There's a local bloke here oh, God. who plays piano and does really good Elton John covers. Oh, I thought you were going, going like back Elton to Blackpool John. grime scene there again. No, no, I've grown out of that now. <laughs> he does really good. Like He's on the keyboard, like he's on the Bon Tempe. And he does really good Elton John covers. He's, he's got a really nice mic and a really nice setup. It's just he's just really good, you know. Is it? Is that on YouTube? Cabaret in your attic kind of thing. It's on Facebook Live. Well, you see, I don't, I don't, I don't do Facebook Live. Do you not? I've been watching a lot of Facebook Live. It's taken off during lockdown. Uh, Nigerian uh, Baptist churches. I, tr- I think I've more forward you the Californian Californian dope dealers who are just the ditziest people I've ever met. The sort of sexual molester catchers, the local fashion retailers, uh, you know, what an hour and a half streams of women selling oversized kind of baggy jumpers. Fit size eight, fit size 16, 15 pounds, or you have to get it quickly. I'm just, I'm just addicted to all of it. People singing into hairbrushes too. There's just, there's so much of it at the moment. I'll send you my favourite lockdown um, YouTube singer. Well, maybe she's not lockdown only, but obviously she's hit it big. During lockdown, I've put it in the chat there, or you can open it in YouTube. And who is this person? Anna Reburn. Anna Reburn. This is her cover version of American Pie, which is quite appropriate. She's had 819,000 views for this one song. A cappella cover. Okay, I'm on nine ver- I'm on 11 versions of it now. It's very technically accomplished. She's uh, very talented. She is very talented. May is uh, a young, somewhat naive girl who's singing on YouTube or Twitch or whatever. They're, actually, they, they invent their own social media platform, don't they, they mention. And she's singing for likes or money or subscriptions or donations or whatever. And showing a bit of leg. Yeah, she gets yeah, she gets up to a bit more later, doesn't she? This is the problem with this movie. Is it's It's not really about COVID, is it? It's... It doesn't need COVID to function as a movie. It doesn't. The weird thing is, everyone is terribly frightened of being carted off by the sanitation department. Uh, <laughs> and that's led by an actor called Peter Stormare. Yeah, and he plays Harland. Uh, now, we know him in almost every other sci-fi movie that has got a cosmonaut in it. I see. We saw one of them. Which one was it? Where Was this a wandering Sputnik. Earth? Could be. There's a cosmonaut on the international bit of the space station. Could be. Because he's got the vodka in the locker. Yes. The guy uses to blow something yes. up later on. Yes, the Wandering Earth, the Chinese one, yeah. Peter Stormare plays those Russian cosmonaut guys in all the movies. Right, I think he's been in every oh. one. He just plays the same thing. That's his thing. In this movie, he seems to be playing an American with a very strange he accent. He is playing an American. Did he get his accent? Uh, yeah, he's putting on American accent for this because he's plainly supposed to be an American. And I was trying to work out why they'd made that choice because it's not perfect. I I, I didn't notice that at all, actually. Really? Well, maybe it's because I knew his face and I was immediately looking out for it. Um, maybe you didn't get that. Anyway, so it's 2023 in this movie. And there are 8.5 million dead in America already because of the new COVID strain, which is COVID-23. It has a mortality rate of 56%, and only 0.1% of the population are immune. 
I just find it hard to believe the disease with the mortality rate of 56% could have a, you know, a sustainable transmission. Well, it's worse than that, isn't it? It has a high mortality rate. It also kills people in, 20, in 24 or 48 hours. So there's no time for them to pass it on. Because later in the film, his girlfriend's grandmother, Lita, she starts coughing and she comes to the woman and says, oh, you know, I don't feel so good. She puts her in bed. And I think it's no no more than a day later that she's actually expired. She's popped, yeah. So, I mean, you know, if it's that deadly and it kills people so quickly... It's not going to spread. How does it, tra- yeah. how does it spread? So, uh, technical points that just make this movie a bit pap are those kind of things. And then they kind of introduce all this jargon to talk about the kind of safety measures and procedures and uh, protocol that's descended onto the city because of COVID-23. Thermoscan. Now, that's interesting. No, the thermoscans are interesting, right? Because you can imagine... I mean, they almost tried to do this. They almost got there with this. But the idea is that every day, every citizen goes on their smartphone or whatever, and it scans their yeah. face, takes the temperature and I don't know what else, and then tells you whether or not you've got COVID. And it reports back to the sanitation department, who send Peter Stromer to come with his bad accent and menace you because he's not a nice guy. As he explained later on... He was actually a garbage guy. Because all his superiors died, he got promoted to the point where ah. he was in charge of the sanitation unit. And he said, evil, nasty piece of work, because apparently, I guess, they're trying to say all garbage men are evil, nasty pieces of work <laughs> if they were given the chance to... Those poor people. Those poor people. You've got to be aware of those poor people. They're in their place for a reason. Yeah. Do not leave it. So, yeah, but I was just saying, some of the vocabulary, like temp test... Temp check, Q zone. Ah, oh, the quarantine the Q zone. zone is. Yes, yeah, so. Ah, uh, quarantine zone. So this is the well, thing. Why don't right? call it quarantine zone? Q zone. Right. The city is on oh. lockdown. You're not allowed to leave. <laughs> I don't think you're even allowed to go out shopping. I think you're expected yeah. to get the bicycle courier to bring you, you know, one bag of oranges every day or something. But everybody has a UV a UV kind of uh, disinfectant cabinet. Yeah, with two doors, yeah. So he opens the door on the Installed outside. Installed into the wall. He puts it in. UV light flashes on the stuff and presumably... Decontamination. Disinfects so. the exterior. <laughs> and then you open the other door <laughs> and then you open it up and get... Yeah. I think you've got to close both doors before you turn it on. Yes, yeah. It's not something we use in the UK. like, But you know, living out in the Far East, it is something that people put their dishes in after after washing their dishes in, in well they don't have dishwasher because they believe they're dirty in many countries out there but having hand wash their dishes they will put them having rinsed them they'll put them in the disinfectant cabinet and it's it's just a uv light thing that seems to work i think with the door open if i'm if i, if I remember right it can work with the door open does it smell really? of ozone but every yes there's a real smell of ozone which is does it give you sunburn itself. does it make your skin prick Potentially, yeah. But they're really cheap, you know. I don't know why we don't have them here. You can get dishwashers with UV lights in them these days, I think. Oh, okay. But I don't. why do they think the dishwashers are dirty? Dishwashers are dirty. Dishwashers are, well, dishwashers are dirty because people never put the cleaning tablets in, do they? Dishwashers are the cleanest places in the world. They get cleaned every time you use no. them. No. No. No, Richard, no. It's like the cleanest things in the universe must be those like little dispensable Washing machines. You put in the washing machine. No. No. Why? Washing machines and uh, I, 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 having moved house, I, I literally cleaned out my washing machine this week. It's just unfathomable the amount of mold and muck 
in all the areas of a, a used washing machine. Unless, of course, you put the cleaner in once a month or twice a month. Okay. I mean, it's all right. It's all right saying a dishwasher's clean. It probably is. But there's always a residue of cold water. And there's also a residue of food in there somewhere that doesn't get swirled down the drain. And that just grows all kinds of muck, doesn't it? When you say put the cleaner in there, you mean your servant. There's a tablet. Oh, right. No, sorry. Yeah. No, no. Those dishwasher cleaner tablets you're supposed to put in once a, once every two months or once in a blue moon. This is nothing to do. This Oh, this is something to do with the movie, isn't it? Because in this movie, they're very authoritarian. They have these sanitation yeah. department units that go around. And if your iPhone scan detects the presence of COVID, then you're going to be carted off to the quarantine zone. I don't understand this public health measure. If the whole city is on lockdown, yeah. and furthermore, they said later in the movie that it's everywhere. You know, if you go outside, you're basically going to catch it. That's why only immune people with the yellow bracelets are allowed to go outside. Then what's the point of taking people to the quarantine zone if they come down with it? Why is that a thing? That's Because you, all you're doing is you're exposing everybody en route to the infected person. And all of your staff, your security staff and sanitation agents who aren't immune, who have to wear the spacesuits, you're exposing them all to danger by sending them out to collect people who are anyway going to be dead in 24 hours or possibly get over it and be fine. You might as well leave them where they are, right? Surely. Perhaps post guards so they don't leave. It doesn't make any sense to take them to the quarantine zone. Does it, how does it make any sense? It doesn't. It doesn't, no. Now, the rich family. Maybe it's just a culling. It's a culling of the poor, isn't it, essentially? Well, Which... well but what happens in the quarantine zone? Because... Well, okay, half the people die because it's 50% mortality and the other half get better and then they're living in a society with a load of people who are now presumably immune. And why can't they go back out into the rest of the city with a yellow bracelet? A yellow bracelet, yeah. <laughs> well, these yellow bracelets are the key, aren't they? Because it turns out that the very rich family, the husband and wife, Demi Moore and her husband. Griffins. The Griffins, the Griffins. that's right, yeah. It turns out Demi plays Piper. What they are doing... Husband is called William. What William is doing is he is selling, for quite a lot of money, he's selling fake immunity bracelets that let people... He's grafting, yeah. Yeah. Grifting. Grafting would be working hard, wouldn't it? I think grifting is where you're conning people, surely. I don't know. Uh, so he's selling these fake bracelets to his uh, well-to-do friends so that they can move around the city. And he uses his freedom to go and visit May, the YouTube singer, with whom he's had... Well, I was going to say he's having an affair, but she's not really a willing party, is she? What's he got on her? Why does she need to, why does she need to hook up with him? I think he had promised her that she, he would make a famous age-old Hollywood story. And then that was before lockdown happened, and then she got stuck in the motel. And presumably, she needs some sponsor to give her money while she's trying to live in the motel. Although some of her fans, like the guy in the wheelchair, the vet in the wheelchair who flies the drone, he was he was sending her money, wasn't he, I think? Uh, he helped her out in the end. But anyway, let's get back to Grey Com- Still Plays or Grey Can Play. Do you watch the YouTube channel with the old guy who still plays computer games? No. What's it called? Grey Still Plays? I think it's called. No. And that's, it's, there's one like Cityscapes, but it's not Cityscapes. It's like SimCity, but just more involved. Oh yeah, where yeah. yeah had the, they had the power to sort of change the politics and that kind of thing, right? And so it's amusing because he like set it up for a hegemonic, unfettered capitalism. Right. Yeah, 
And of course, you know, riots go off, but they're suppressed horribly with military junta and police. And, and <laughs> the problem is that, like, at the end of it all, you get this perfect society, you know. Now, admittedly, three quarters of the people that were alive are not alive anymore, and a quarter of people have inherited their wealth, kind of thing. So you can see why people <laughs> become rich. But in the same way, you know, this family, they're just, they're just, you know, they're grafting in that, in that system, you know, they're grafting in, in a hegemonic, apocalyptic, brute capitalist society. The, the, the Post COVID 23, it's become so. I, I can't really blame Demi Moore in, as she plays this part. Fair play, I think. Wouldn't you? Well, as Peter Stromer's character, the sanitation engineer. Every, guy, you know, every, every prisoner camp has a black market, doesn't it? Sure, fulfilling a need, supply and demand. You know, I mean, I'm not sure we can apply everyday morals to their actions. But anyway, go on. Well, the sanitation guy, he was saying, wasn't he, to the hero when they meet eventually, that the immunis, as they're called, the immune immune guys, have got the run of the city. You know, there's empty properties everywhere. They can just go in and... So they they are inheriting the wealth of the city. Aren't it's they? not that satisfying. Oh, really? Have you done it? I've, I've I've been in that situation about three times in my life. Is that because there are cities in China that are empty? One, two situations were because of that. No, actually, four times in my life. Two of those because of that. Yeah, uh, another time was I was onboarding with Disney, and like as a, they, as a cast member, they were expecting yes, cast member. Were you, and were they you were, Goofy or Donald Duck? Uh, I was Anton. So, <laughs> so we got onboarded, and like there was supposed to be onboarding four hundred of us, but there were only three of us. And like, I guess they could have cancelled the hotel suite, and but they just did. So they had to so, like, like provisions for four hundred people. <laughs> well, not just that; they had hotel rooms. For, they had a conference room for four hundred people. Right. And it was, and so we just did our onboarding in about two hours instead of two weeks because it's just three of us it's so quick you know and then they said we'll just hang around the hotel we had the whole hotel to ourselves three of us <laughs> for two weeks I like it's really good it's, do you know those people you see on YouTube exploring abandoned roller coaster parks yes yeah. like it's good for a day but then it kind of feels like you're in an abandoned place and it, it just becomes a bit <laughs> lonely like we invited people yeah I mean we, we made friends and brought them in you know kind of thing invited Couriers off the street, and you know, like you know, the local road sweeper to have some fun and drink some whiskey with us. But that happened once to me. The other time was I was living in Nanjing in China, and we moved into this, you know, these ghost cities. Well, not Nanjing, Nanjing is a very successful city, but we moved to this kind of ghost suburb where they built, they built homes. In, you know, Greek mountainside little white villas. You know, the kind of holiday villas. Yeah. The picture postcard, beautiful things. They're done in blue and white, but mostly white. And that's kind of azure blue. Yeah. The doors, I think, are some of the windows. And they've kind of done cubist interpretations of that. So you'd have one apartment. And then, like, in Greek, they're kind of stacked on the hill. So you'd have another, like, cube kind of stacked. A bit skew with or maybe front or back of the other cube. It was very nice. It was obvious they were referencing Greek mountain, uh, seaside mountain villas. But as part of it, they had, like, huge skylights on the top floor. Uh, Nanjing's a very hot. It's like in a it's it, it's in a dust bowl essentially. It's very hot in the summer, and they had these huge, huge skylights and these huge windows. Yeah. And 
Uh, and the one we moved into, it was literally, we installed 12 kilowatts of aircon. <laughs> <laughs> and like in the midday, it was, it didn't matter because we weren't there midday. And we were in the swimming pool on the weekend because nobody lived there because of this problem. But we were in the swimming pool that nobody else lived, used. Well, they'd invented the solar oven, really, there. hadn't they, as a dwelling? <laughs> yes. Like, with 12k, with 12 kilowatts of aircon, we got the t- we had to buy the most, it was so fucking hot before we installed the aircon. Like, uh, we, we before we installed the aircon, it was like 52 in there, you know, it was just unbelievable. With the aircon on, it was still like 36. Jesus. It was just, unbel- it was like a oven. So, of course, nobody lived there, but... I mean, my friend was American, so he wasn't afraid of burning up oil to do this. But by the night, by the evening, with the aircon pumping out after the sun had gone down, it got down to 16, 18, you know, it got down to really nice, cool temperatures, which is fine for us. And we had, I think it was a 900 square meter apartment. <laughs> the swimming pool's right in front of us that nobody used, and a huge garden, and like four garages underneath, and a sunken garden, a raised garden. Really, in Nanjing, you're talking, you know, it's it's a ten million pound property. Uh, just it was a bit, it was on a tube line out out of the city, and uh, we got it for like four hundred pounds a month or something, <laughs> <laughs> and it felt good. Well, it didn't feel good the first weeks we moved because it was so fucking hot, and it felt good again, but not for that long. It kind of wears off this having the having the run of places. To yeah, yourself. it's like well, it just underlines you have no friends, doesn't you? <laughs> having a, an empty party venue yeah effectively. that's like it. a nightclub with no one to go in it yes yes so uh, yeah so an empty go. life that's what they were all leading well I don't like Nico Nico's like they've, they've created him I, I, I think these characters were pretty poorly sketched out like he's playing basketball with himself he's parkour climbing climbing up buildings and making phone calls to his girlfriend I mean, is he 18 or is he 27 how is he supposed to be in this movie like is he not a grown man? What's he? He's so annoying. And then he goes home to fix his motorbike. Oh, it's also he's. It's like this is a man as boy fantasy. He just needs to grow up. To be honest with you, at the point where uh, his girlfriend's grandmother Sorry. tests positive for COVID, because he can't avoid it. You know, she yeah. gets ill in the evening. She phones her boyfriend and says, and she says, "How, how does she get ill though?" Because of the pencils he sent through the through the uh, oh through yeah the it will be right? violent inter- ultraviolet yeah because the but I thought he disinfected yeah but them. you can oh but not exactly the they open the box don't they and the pencils come out it probably was he killed effectively ah. he killed her grandmother but she gets ill and they know that in the morning they'll have to do the temperature test thing so they can't avoid it so it, they know that yeah. at that point they're going to be carted off. But he goes around, doesn't he? And he sits outside the door. And I was getting really strong right-at-your-door vibes when he's going, you know, I'm always going to be here kind of thing. I'm not going away. Actually, he does a right-at-your-door right moment where he says, do not open that door. Because uh, his girlfriend's best friend who lives down the corridor, he's banging on oh, the yeah, door trying to right. help. And he's, yeah. he's on the phone doing a right-at-your-door moment saying, do not open it. Yeah. They're sharing lots of nostalgia about the old days. I mean, come on, they've only been locked down for two or three years. Like, he attempts to set up at, like, a home cinema with a projector that's, like, being at the cinema. And he even puts, like, somebody's head in front of himself. <laughs> and they're sharing this moment on a phone call, on a, you know, a Skype call or a Zoom call. This attempt at poignancy doesn't work. I just find it a very bitty movie emotionally. It didn't take us on any kind of emotional ride or a rollercoaster ride. I mean, it didn't even take us... Didn't, didn't even let us ride shotgun 
for emotions. It just there was nothing there really. Now, when Mister Griffin did his temperature check, he'd just been doing his workout. He was on his like treadmill or whatever. He was he sweating was, yeah. buckets. Surely you still no. It was, it wouldn't take you to flu temperature. Is that no. um, right? No. Interesting. No, I often wonder. Well, the body. I mean, if your body can't regulate with sweat and breath, yeah. then you would feel really ill. If you got to if you got to temperature of flu temperature, you'd feel like you had flu. That's yeah. when people. That's when marathon runners fall over, kind of thing. Right. Okay. When their bodies get that hot, you know. So it doesn't matter if you so. if you work out before you do your temperature test. No, your body's very very good at self regulating its temperature. Interesting. Surely, though, skin temperature is not the best. It's not the best or most reliable way of taking your temperature, is it? Oh, that's a good point. I mean, really, they should be shoving thermometers up our asses or whatever, shouldn't they? What they used, whatever they used to do. <laughs> well, they don't do anything at Tesco's where I, where, where I go shopping. <laughs> that's your disappointment. <laughs> so before this podcast, you were saying, Paul, you know, are you a lockdown sceptic? Is that what you were saying? I'm a lockdown... Yeah, do you think we should be more like they are in the film with armed guards taking people away and enforce lockdowns? Or are you more libertarian about it and people should be allowed to do what the hell that they want? Well, it depends from what libertarian perspective, but I I think city ordinances requiring supermarkets to take people's temperatures, I don't think it's draconian. I have to say shame on Tesco. They're doing, compared to other supermarkets, they're doing so little to ensure that people don't kill each other. People don't kill each other. I mean, there's there, there's nothing about libertarianism that says that murder should be legal. I agree. There? I agree. I think a lot of people forget city ordinances should. You know, we should be voting on this. Cities. You know, what do we want for us? Do shall we have curfew? Shall we have quarantine? Shall we have roadblocks? I think I think we need them. I, mean, I don't want to say that Einstein. You know, the definition of insanity is repeating the same mistakes over and over again. But on the TV tonight, I see. When can we go on holiday again? We're going back to we're going back to school. Pubs are reopening, and we've got lobbyists from the drinks and from the wet trade saying, you know, we, we were perfect last time. It was obvious that the recent the, the October spike in COVID was due to pubs reopening. To be reopening, of course it was. Yeah, and people you know, forget the and we point. We can't keep doing this to ourselves. The point about lockdown is to reduce the demand on the NHS. That's the only point of doing it, right? Well, and to save lives at the same time, hopefully. You could, yes. Now there is a vaccine. But that's, a, that's a secondary. Now end. there is a vaccine. Yeah, you absolutely should. We should be trying to get as many people as vaccinated before they're at risk of catching it. Yeah, that's true. But you, you could argue that there's a risk, a risk reward thing about at what you know they're saying today, aren't they? That now most of the vulnerable population have been vaccinated that you could think about opening up again the, the point is really now how many people would be taking up intensive care beds uh, in the national health service and if that again if that's too many then you can't let that happen because you can't destroy your health service in the process of opening up can you no i think they've done some things right i think opening schools was a mistake yeah. but having students go back to university was a great idea because because they're not re- they're not at home with other people, they can happily party together, break lockdown rules. In fact, I would encourage them to do that because, uh, assuming that I only allow people who are healthy back to university, none of them are going to die if they have no underlying issues, and they can reach a youthful herd immunity 
and then within eight weeks go ten weeks go back to their families and not infect anybody. So I thought that was a strategy that was good, was ghettoizing the party aspects <laughs> of our of our population who are going to be major transmitters. Let's face facts, you know, not being ageist about it. I mean, typically the poor because they live together and the young are going to transmit this stuff, even though the young don't seem to produce so much viral load. But still, they're the people who are going to be transmitting yeah. it, you know. So all we have to do is let them catch it. They won't die. It's very unlikely they'll die. And this, in the circumstance of a pandemic, there's some plus and minus. There's no morality in saying this institution is going to cause deaths. It's, it's in the grand sum of things, it's going to cause less deaths in total, yeah. So even if some of them did die, this would be the sensible thing to do is to insist, you know, that young people get back to work and stay away from their families and uh, go back to campus college uh, college campuses i thought it was a good decision but i think reopening schools is a terrible idea because these kids are going back home every day yes. so just a really stupid idea yeah yeah i agree i agree i think we should score this film paul and what do you think have we done it i mean we haven't even said what happens well, in that's it. the thing isn't it so well what it reverts to a simple chase doesn't it, it essentially it's terminator He's going to get... He he figures out that the Griffins are selling these immunity bracelets. He knows if he can get one yeah. for his girlfriend, she won't have to go into quarantine. Sadly, her her, her, her grandmother dies, of course. He gets $30,000, which is not enough, because they're selling for 300000 for a pair, a pop. Uh, he goes to the house, says, can I have the immunity, immunity bracelet? And the husband kind of buckles, because... I think he knows that it's... Uh, oh, he falls out with his wife, his doesn't he? Because she figures out that he's having yeah. an affair. And meanwhile, May, our singer, who's being predated upon by Mr. Griffin, she gets rescued because the guy in the wheelchair who tracks the couriers with his drone, he sees him trying to uh, get her out of her car. And apparently... He's got a Glock mounted on his drone and he yes. shoots Mr. Griffin in the head. Traumatising poor May in the car, <laughs> frankly, but at least saving her from being further molested. And it, that would seem a bit far-fetched, wouldn't it? Except I recently watched some YouTube videos where a guy who plays Airsoft had mounted a machine pistol Airsoft gun to the bottom of a normal drone and we're shooting people with no, it. No, 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 no. Yeah. So this is real. You could do this tomorrow with a with a DJI Phantom or whatever. I'm not sure we I'm not sure we should be broadcasting that, Richard. <laughs> Look, it's not an instruction manual. <laughs> I think you should be aware it is. if you hear a drone, it might it might be packing a gun. <laughs> Hellfire. Anyway, sorry. So this resolves itself to not not the husband who gets shot in the head. Uh, but rather, I think his wife therefore tells the head of sanitation to get Carter, to get where the Nico, whoever the guy is, is, and it resolves to like a Terminator chase through empty, empty industrial, empty industrial scenes, does it not? Yeah, and then he jumps on his bike and he chases after the van that's taking his girlfriend to the quarantine zone, and he eventually catches up right on the border when they're unloading. Where he catches up and he. He goes over and kisses her, or hugs her or whatever, and he pops the yellow bracelet on her wrist. And that's it. They're free. So, so yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, what can we say? Well, it's... Unsatisfying, really, as a movie. It's very topical, isn't it? 
Or is it? Or was it just any old disease where they slapped... Well, they probably overdubbed where they said virus X and put COVID-23 in, in post-production or something. I suppose the lockdown. The lockdown is quite COVID. Maybe they got that. Maybe they took that as inspiration. And what they didn't capture is the amount of insane rage that everybody has when talking about COVID online, particularly mask or no mask. And what's the other thing that really gets people going? I can't remember. What it hasn't captured is how bad-tempered everybody is because of this lockdown. Obviously, you know, people are stuck indoors all day. They're going to become cranky and snappy. But I wasn't prepared for exactly the amount of bad feeling that people are prepared to spread on Facebook just to express their relatively uninformed Well, I'll tell you what the irony is. I wasn't ready for that. The, the grumpiest people are the same people who bang on about Blitz Spirit. <laughs> they are, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Blitz Spirit is being cheerful about this shit. It's not moaning about it every five minutes. <laughs> Just wear a fucking mask. <laughs> <laughs> well, mask is interesting, isn't it? You know, this, this whole trajectory of should we or should we not wear masks? I thought, particularly because I was participating in Facebook debates at this time. Uh, my sister is uh, an aerodynamic engineer so she knows about airflow she's also a fluid mechanic engineer and so I asked her about the fluid mechanics of masks and she said they would really stop airflow and stop viruses uh, interestingly there wasn't really very much research on this until no this that's year. right they did they did the research so, yeah. but what I found interesting was people telling me to stay in my lane sit down and shut up and shut the fuck up and, and, and get school. That kind of particularly aggressive, I'm not going to argue on the terms of the debate, but just become abusive. Because I wasn't referencing a epidemiologist. Apparently epidemiologists are experts on, on fluid dynamics. You see. And this is the interesting thing, is when people say, trust the science, I'm with you, but when, when we're making speculative comments online and we present them as speculative comments, I don't need a non-expert telling me what kind of experts I should be sitting down and shutting up and listening to. Does that make sense to you? So I think what I'm saying is, yes, from that side, the anti-maskers and all that bad-tempered nonsense is a lot of bullshit. But from the other side, too, there's a lot of people telling people to sit down and shut up. And I don't think they're in a position to be saying that kind of thing particularly when people are not presenting things uh, as anything other than speculative ideas uh, in areas that I think really nobody knew the answer to at the time. So I, I just stopped participating at that point. It was like, well, I just don't need this amount of hate in my life. You know, people can think what they want to about that. This is why I'm not watching not. Uh, Facebook. Or I, don't, I, I don't really read Facebook. It just gets you angry, Paul. And me. It does. Are we going to score this movie? <laughs> Let's start with. Hey, it was made. It was it was made for narrow narrow cast, wasn't it? It was made for Netflix, so it's not a real movie, is it's it? Amazon Prime. No, it was released at the box office. No, oh, there was no know. box office in 2020, Paul, except for Tenet. This was released at the box office. Then it was released to Amazon Prime. Oh gosh, that's depressing. Imagine going out <laughs> to the cinema <laughs> to see Songbird <laughs> to watch. <laughs> To watch a movie about COVID-23. No, it, it kind of... Uh, well, obviously, it didn't make much of the box office for various reasons. But I think it wouldn't have made very much anyway. No. Well, that seems like you're 
burying the lead up front there or something, doesn't it? Uh, let's talk about acting. Why not? Yeah, well, four out of ten. And that's all I'm going to say. Hmm. I, too, didn't find Nico very compelling. But I did like May, who you didn't like. Why didn't you like May, the singist? <sighs> not because of her acting. Just because they tried to write her as street. Oh. Or vulnerable, trying to be street. And neither of those things came off. Peter Stromer, who is Swedish, by the way, I did look that up. He's obviously pretty good, but I didn't like his accent. It was distracting. I think, though, I think they're playing... He wasn't convincing as a baddie. I think they're playing some kind of twist in this film, whereby all the way through they're talking about... The Griffins talk about Harland, who they speak speak of. And I think you're not supposed to realise that he's Harland, because you don't hear that sanitation guy's surname till the end. Because I was thinking, why don't they let him play as a... You know, an immigrant, you know, a Swedish Swedish guy working in the garbage disposal business and just let him do his normal accent. Why ask him to put an American accent on? But apparently they'd written the character with the name of Harlan, so they had to, he had to put an American accent on. So, as a consequence of all of those observations, I will, I will give it a five, I think. Oh, what about the plot? Did you find it was a very sophisticated one that, that integrated itself and interwove itself around the themes of COVID? Or was it just a standard pot boiler that resolved itself with 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 some industrial industrial backdrops and, and, and a chase to the finish? Where were all of the other people? I mean, I suppose we're expected to believe that he's got a load of other deliveries to do. But we you know, there's a tiny number of people in this film. Low budget, yeah. I guess, again. And yeah, the, the story was nothing to do with COVID, right? Really, in a sense, it's a guy cheating on his wife, nothing. them doing something illegal. I mean, they could have been selling drugs, couldn't they, or something? I don't know. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it's perfectly average. I guess I've got to go a five again. Yeah, I was going to go five. But I'm going to go four. Mm. Okay, science. We can score science in this movie. Yeah. He was all right, you know, three and a half, four, five. I'm going to go five. I like the disinfecting cabinets that were wedged between outer wall and inner wall. You know, they had a sense of what COVID was. They had a sense of the kind of precautions that would, would happen. They had the app on the phone uh, for scanning people. And we've almost got that, haven't yes. we? We've got the things where you put your symptoms well, in. Well, we have this thing where you go and get a blood test, don't we? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Which... Lateral flow. Might be a bit more effective. Those people had very quickly installed like ring doorbells and those scanning devices and those UV cameras. Do you have one of those Amazon doorbells or not? Or Google no, it's a bit pointless here in a flat, isn't it? In an apartment. Because no one comes to my door. You've got door. a buzzer. My buzzer downstairs. Buzzer. Now that used to have a feed to your television. It used to be that if someone buzzed downstairs, you could tune in the right channel. Whoa. But they've cancelled it, haven't they? It, it's, it's they stopped just stopped working, maintaining right? it. Mine is so old school that it still works because it's just essentially a telephone wire down to the bottom. But I love it because it's kind of got CCTV like... in the old-fashioned sense No, it's, of it's, 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 it's audio. You know, you've got, oh, just I mean, you've got a oh, okay. button to open the... Uh... Well, I've got audio. I've got audio downstairs. I know, yeah. but I love it because it's the styling is so late 80s nuclear bunker. It's kind of nice. I want to keep it. It's, it's, do you know, like Fortieras, how they had that beautiful, modern, kind of moulded style? It's, it's yeah. telephone receiver. Jelly mould style. Yeah. It's kind of like that, but a bit smoother. 
Yeah. Ugh. So I like it. So the, some of the science gadgets were okay, but the disease science wasn't so good. It wasn't great, no. Because at one point, you know, it was clear everyone was frightened to go outside because they would just get COVID from anywhere. Yeah, what was you all know, that about? Like, so everyone's wearing spacesuits all the time, and when they took her outside, eventually the sanitation guy ripped a hood off, and she's like, oh no, I'm going to die. No, you're not going to die because you're immune. You were in the house with your grandmother and she died of it and you're still alive so you're immune now she didn't know that though she she was stupid she didn't know that but if the if covid 23 is everywhere in the environment you know tests wouldn't work very well would they because as soon as you open like a lateral flow test it would have covid 23 on it so from a disease science point of view not so good so i'm going to give it a four right okay now one more thing is uh what did you give it for science? I think or? it gave it five. All right. Yeah. Well, SFX and action. Well, VFX, I guess. It was okay, the action here. So, well, the, the only special effects I think might have happened, we don't know, and if they did, they were very good, is they, how did they remove all the cars from LA? It was convincingly empty, right, wasn't it, LA? I think there was like one other random car yeah. once. So let's go five for action and special right. effects. So in total, I think we've scored everything now. I'm going to score it a three and a half. This is not escapism, is it, by any stretch of the imagination? No. And it's not illuminating. I don't think I know anything more about COVID because of having watched this. So Yeah, true. Or people. Or sanitation engineers. Why was that guy so stabby? He stabbed everyone he met. <laughs> Just about. Pointlessly as well. I don't understand. Compulsive. So compulsive stabber. What's your final score? I'll Richard? give it. I'll give it a four. Oh. I can't recommend it, but you know, it's not terrible. And that's it, Paul. Hmm. We need to sort out what we're going to do for the next podcast. I have an idea. Why don't we oh. watch something to do with? Facebook live streaming, Zoom calls, this semi-virtual world we inhabit during and because of lockdown. I'm all on board. I like the I like the new format ideas that you're coming up with. So I have a movie. It is. It does reference COVID. Uh, it has been made since COVID, and it's all about living in lockdown and creating a live stream for people to watch whilst they're locked down, and it's called House in Sherwood. Sherwood? Ooh, it's in the forest. Well, it's not in forest. It's in a town. It's in a house oh. in a town called Sherwood. Oh, is there a town called Sorry Sherwood? Sorry to spoil it for you. Yeah, where Sherwood Forest is, obviously. So it is in the forest? Know. We'll have to watch it and find out. Or did they out. knock the forest down? I mean, they cut, presumably cut it down to build a housing estate. So, all right, that's like next week's movie then. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm on board. Okay, listeners and viewers, House Insured it is. Readers, potentially. House Insured it is 2020. Uh, and we'll find out what it's about next week. Readers? Are we doing transcripts now? Well, they could be reading the, 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 the boilerplate stuff that comes with our, with our, with our Did podcast. you read the one that I wrote for the last one? No, I'm about to avail myself of the opportunity to do that. Okay, then. All right. Well, until the next time, everyone, yes, let's play the outro fun. music in three, two, two and one. one.
Thank you.